Hello and welcome to another episode of the Construction Corner Podcast. I'm Dylan. I'm your host with, I don't know, five, six inches of snow on the ground here in California in the mountains. Uh, joined by my blue collar badass this week. We are actually, you know, sitting down together to record this episode this week. So Matt, how's it going, man? Things are going good, man. I'm in my new office, so I'm not uh, not sitting in my my fucking truck on AirPods, and I'm not walking down a dirty road trying to trying to scrape a recording together. It, we um, it's actually unseasonably warm here. I like I was saying a little bit ago, it's going to be in the 60s this weekend, which is unheard of for for early February. Next week we drop back down to to gray and miserable, but we're taking it while it's here. So, not in my my preferred setup, but actually having a mic in my face and uh, a comfortable seat is is way nicer than uh, than driving around trying to do this yeah i'm kind of in a makeshift uh deal today since i couldn't get down to my office and studio setup but you know it is what it is it's it's just good to get it done man get get on the mics and and zoom's better than talking to myself that's for sure <laughs> Yeah, which uh, kind of reminds me. So, like last weekend, I and I'm in a training cycle right now for my hundred here in a month or so, and so going out and I'm running for you know four or five hours on Saturday and a couple hours on Sunday, where the weather's not been like perfect here recently. It's been kind of it's been pretty rainy, actually. We've gotten I don't know maybe like four or five inches over the last week, which isn't crazy, but you know it's just dreary, gloomy. And like, I go run and try to find like a decent window of time where I'm not going to be just completely uh, soaked in it to get some outside running and trail stuff in. And even during those like nice gaps, man, like the place that I go, nobody else shows up. Like there's a few Jeep trails and Jeep uh, folks out or trucks, whatnot, but nobody's like just out walking around. I'm the only uh, dude they're running like i see people but i'm the only <laughs> it's like running or you know walking through these uh it's like kind of a recreation area um that i mostly run in but yeah, so it's just funny. do you prefer it that way or would you rather have it busier um i don't for that place i don't that's fine like i don't care either way um whether i see people or not mainly it's i have service so if I fall and like break a something, then I can like call for help. Um, Pretty important. <laughs> well, cause like some of the other places that I go and run up in the past in the summer, like, dude, there's no service. You're on a single track trail, like to get out there, the, for me to get rescued, if I could get rescued, well, I mean, that's a whole, whole separate thing. Like you're falling off a cliff, you know, they're probably bringing in horses to like rescue. Like one of our friends works for the sheriff's department and search and rescue. And like some lady fell off a cliff and they couldn't put a helicopter up to go and get her because it's at like nine, 10,000 feet. And then she was down a ravine. Um, but the winds were too high for the helicopter to come through and rescue her. So they had to get a like horse team <laughs> to wow. go and get this woman. And then because she fell off a cliff, they had to rappel like down to her, rope her up, you know, hoist her back up this cliff basically, and then put her on a horse, you know, with a broken leg and then get her out of there. 
So, I mean, we're talking like very remote areas that I would go and run in. So for, for some things like having service or there being people around <laughs> is like in those areas, they're heavily backpacked uh, okay. where I'd run up in the mountains. So, I mean, some places that I go pretty far out isn't so bad. Um, but usually you would, you'd see people within, let's say a six hour window. Right. So even if you broke your leg, you might not see anybody immediately, but within a time window, that's enough to get you. You're not going to starve. Let's put it that way in that like time period to then, you know, get brought back to civilization. Well, that's that's a good thing, man. Having to get carried out and rescued by a team of horses and rappelling up and down cliff faces. That's that's movie level shit. That's uh. I mean, I bet it's beautiful <laughs> where you go running. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's just it, man. There's like so many of these like unsung heroes, right? That guys just, they volunteer for it. You know, like the horse teams, like those guys for the most part aren't getting paid. Um, really? They're not for the, I don't think most of the horse guys do. They might get paid something okay. out of it, uh, but it's primarily volunteer. Um because it's out of like a pack station so guys will just kind of do it you know sure um uh there might be like one or two from the sheriff's department that'll go and that can ride and go out there and help them but yeah for the most part it's like volunteer so there's and this is all over like the the west primarily is you have you know very remote areas people fall or whatever and you know, you have these guys that just, it's their kind of job and they go out and, you know, they have enough backcountry skills to ride yeah. a horse, to carry gear, to rappel down a mountain. And, you know, you're never going to hear anything about these guys. And, you know, they kind of go on their merry way after the fact, you know? Yeah. I guess it's not so different from, I mean, we have a lot of, uh, they're not volunteers, but they're, we call them paid on call firefighters in our neck of the woods and they don't make shit unfortunately they they should um we don't have a whole lot of horse led efforts but we have a lot of water here right so we got there's there's dive teams all over the place that are are very active all year round because obviously in the summer you know you get the the drunk idiots falling off their boats and then in the winter you get the drunk idiots going out on the ice when they shouldn't be so that was one of the things when i was on the fire department many many moons ago that was one of the coolest trainings we did. We went out in like early January, you know, colder than shit onto a local lake. And we used K-12s and chainsaws and, and cut a big square out of the ice and put on the, the, the um, not dive suits, but the, the dry suits, you know, the big fluffy yellow things and, and had to jump in the water. And it was wild, man. Like it was, it was really cool to, to do that and to learn some of their techniques and stuff. But um. We, I don't know. I don't want to take us too far off track, but that, that stuff's cool to me. It, it's neat to, uh, to see those, those heroes do their job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this really comes back to like preparing and planning like where I run, when I run in those places and just having a plan together. Like I'm very, I do a very good job at risk mitigation, right? Like I'm not going to ride my bike in the rain because 
dude, I, I've seen too many people wreck on a just slick corner, whatever, um, during races and stuff like that oh, yeah. to where I'm not going to take that type of risk. And the same thing goes in running. Like I'll run in areas that are, in some cases they are ridiculous. Like it's way out in the middle of nowhere. It's single tracks, big mountain, you know, type stuff. And like, there's always some element of risk to it, but like, I'm not going to cross, uh, like this last spring, we had so much snow melt. Like, I'm not going to cross the rivers at the bottom of this deal. That's three, four miles out from a trailhead that I drove what 40 minutes to, to then cross this thing in fast moving water with, I didn't see a single person, the parking lot's mostly empty, like not going to happen. I'm going to turn around and figure something else out. So it's a lot of like risk mitigation, what we do on a daily basis, but just then applying it to other areas of life, you know, like we do it in construction all the time, but then how do you apply that to the rest of life? For sure. I mean, that's, we've talked about before, that's really all we do, right? It's, it's all about risk mitigation and, and balancing the, the, the risks, the inherent risks with the, the potential rewards and constantly doing those sets of analyses in your head, you know, hundreds and hundreds of times a day and, and thousands and thousands of times per project, because it's a, it's a risky endeavor, what we do financially, uh, safety wise, you know, liability wise, there, there's risk everywhere. I mean, now that we've brought that up, we probably shouldn't uh, forget to mention that that horrible collapse in Idaho. Um, I think it was last week as of time of this recording, but just brutal, man. I, I know we talked real briefly before we, we went on, but, you know, three people died and I don't remember how many more were injured, but it's uh it's a scary thing when you start seeing that sort of stuff and, and to, but to be able to manage that, you know, along with all the financial and all the liability and all everything else. I mean, that's, it takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of skill. It takes a lot of guts <laughs> and it doesn't matter what you're doing, whether you're, whether you're putting up a steel structure or, or you're running out in the middle of God's country by yourself. I mean, you got to be able to have those, have those conversations with yourself, right. To, to always anal uh, analyze what the hell you're doing and, and what the potential is and, you know, is this good? Yes. No. Is this a good idea? Should I, should I proceed? Um, it's, uh, it's a good learning lesson for everybody. You know, you should pay attention to that stuff. And um, again, if you haven't seen that, what happened in Idaho, it, it is pretty, pretty fucking horrible. So, you know, we, we preach safety a lot around here, obviously just based on what we do. And I hate seeing that shit. You know, we had a, uh, I know we're kind of diverging on what we were going to talk about, but we, we had a trench collapse out in Livingston County. Um, it's been 10 or 15 years now, but just brutal, you know, people bury alive and you, you hear and see shit like that real close to home. And, and man, it makes you remember very quickly, really how, what the stakes are on, on what we're doing. And it's just so, uh, so important that people keep that top of mind and, you know, have those, those risk calculations going on, no matter what their role is, whether they're on the the steel side or the, uh, the GC or the designer, all of it, you know, you got to take those into account so that nothing, nothing horrific like that happens. Yeah. And it's, um, as, as bad as it is to see this, it's, you know, the silver lining in here is a, is a couple things. One, we don't see them that often anymore. 
pretty rare you know and then when it does you know it's a big deal when like those types of collapses and and we'll find out what happened you know it's still pretty fresh and i'm sure there's a lot of investigation going on oh right my now. god it's a <laughs> it's a wasp nest of of osha investigators yeah and every uh you know park bench uh lawyer is out there and ambulance chaser is probably i'm sure uh foaming at the mouth right now to to figure oh, they, out they all want their pound of flesh man <laughs> what's going on so you know i i don't feel for for anybody involved in in any of that um you know it's it's going to be the accident is bad the aftermath is going to be worse yep um the fallout from it's going to be worse and it's going to take a long time you know it's not over in a minute or however long that collapse took to happen you know this is going to be something that's going to drag on for years more than likely um but that being said these things don't happen that often you know like it's a blue moon that we hear about a crane collapse or um some other type of structural collapse or like the one that happened in Miami where that condo building fell that was 30 years old well it's like one it's 30 years old two they never did any maintenance on it you know and then we go down the list from there so like in new buildings you really don't hear that type of uh tragedy happening you know like we just don't hear of crane collapses we don't hear of a lot of this and that's you know safety has come a long way OSHA has done their job in in that way you know i everybody's got their own beef with osha in, in some way shape or form but uh on the whole right from the stats of of what's happened in uh not just construction but manufacturing and the whole you know like lives lost are far lower than they've ever been for the amount of production that we have within you know construction manufacturing industrial you know works for sure man and you know i mean it's like it's like having your opinion on the cops, on the police, right? Uh, nobody likes the cop when you get pulled over for, you know, doing 10 over the speed limit. Everybody loves the cops when they stop a murder case or a murder suspect, you know I mean? So I've, I, look, I'm, I'm a GC. Okay. I've had my run-ins with, uh, with the OSHA forces in my day. And, and I've got my own thoughts about it that I should probably uh, for the sanctity of my company, keep my mouth shut. But um, the reality is what you said. I mean, overall, most of them are good people who are legitimately out there trying to keep us and our people safe. And and I think overall, you know, over the last 25 plus years I've been doing this shit, you know, there's a market improvement on on reduction of, of worksite injuries. And so it is now shocking when you actually when you do hear about a trench collapse or building collapse or, you know whatever it may be so that that's a good thing that you know if, if it wasn't shocking <laughs> that'd be a really bad place to be right if that was commonplace um it'd be even harder to attract people into this industry so it is a good thing those guys and those men and women are out there uh you know doing what they do some of them could tone it down a little bit and i'd be fine but <laughs> yeah i mean the individual enforcement is a whole different ball game right but on the on the whole like you think of like the Empire State Building or Hoover Dam or some of these other massive uh, projects and how many people died constructing those, you know, it's incredible. Hoover Dam. I, yeah, it's in, insane how many people 
perished in that. I don't know the yeah. number, but I know it's it's a lot. It's in the hundreds uh, for Hoover. Granted, like Hoover, if you've ever been there, it's in the middle of the friggin' desert, right? It's an hour, hour and a half drive outside of Vegas. Um, so, I mean, when they were doing it, it was hotter than shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like water and hydration levels and that stuff was not a like thing people concerned themselves with, you know, 100 years ago or, you know, 80, 90 years ago. And so, um, you know, we have just whole different standards today around, you know, what simple things like heat exhaustion, you know, hydration, adequate food on the job site, you know, getting in electrolytes, like things that we kind of take for granted now uh, as a society and like drinking water and replenish, like that was not even a thing to consider in the time of, you know, again, Hoover Dam, Empire State Building, um, and some of these other mega projects that, I mean, they're building in like, uh, well, Hoover Dam is just, granted it, they do get cold there, but uh, like New York City, like shit, you go through every season and cycle from negative to, you know, 100 degrees. Yeah, for sure, man. Hoover um, Dam, uh, and, and frankly, I'm fine with our random conversation today. It's kind of fun. Who not it true that Hoover Dam, that's, that concrete is not fully cured yet? I could find out that I don't know. <laughs> I've heard that. I don't, I don't know whether it is or not, but there's, there's such a massive amount of, uh, of concrete in that thing. I believe that it, it's still actually in the center and it's core. It's still curing because it's, it's so damn thick and somebody's going to fact check me and, and point it out. And if I'm wrong, then you kiss my ass, but it, it uh, it sounds plausible. <laughs> it wouldn't shock me. Uh, now the top half has probably because there's no water touching it anymore because um, LA is taking it all but the well so like that's one thing most people don't know so all the water behind Hoover Dam uh, does not go to Vegas it goes to Los Angeles so like they own the water so in the west you have all these water rights and yep. who owns water and stuff which I've covered here a ton but yeah like LA owns all that water so when all the LAites and Californians bitch about the water level being low behind Hoover Dam, well, they're responsible for it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. those uh, those LA folks, there's something else too. <laughs> I'm gonna potentially have a project out in Malibu, which I'll talk about if we do get it. But uh, so I'll have to end up dealing with uh, a lot of those folks. But it'll be a really cool project um, if we if we do get that one. Yeah, yeah, you uh, you confidentially clued me in, and I will. All I will say is that would be a very cool project. So I'm hoping uh, for your sake and for the sake of the show that you do get it because it'll be a fun one to, to to rip apart here. Yeah, which I mean, it kind of segues into the topic for today is you know downtime, right? So a lot of my efforts now are being both. I kind of have like that foot in two worlds of software and improvement products, which is going to feed into the engineering firm, which helps us do projects so we could do them faster, which, you know, then cycles back into improving the software product. But for like just a pure engineering standpoint, you know, we have an, in construction in general, right. In the boom bust cycles that we're all very familiar and accustomed to, you have periods of hyper productivity and this will even happen in a project. Uh, and I did some content around this too, where in the beginning of a project, everybody's, you know, gung-ho and getting after it and 
setting up, uh, whether it's on the engineering side, design side, or on the construction side. And then the middle of the project, it's kind of like, ah, we're here again today, you know, and productivity kind of flatlines, if you will, like do that during that middle phase of the project, everyone's, you know, clocking in, clocking out, stuff's getting done. And, you know, we just kind of motor along. And then the last, call it two, three weeks of a project when that deadline's really close, you know, productivity is like 400% of what it was, you know, the weeks before everybody's trying to push that project out and you're like, where was this guys? And uh, then, you know, everybody after it just kind of collapses and is like, okay, all right, we're done now. So um, the, the thing that I wanted to cover more so than anything was like, what do you do in those downtimes? Cause I see and have, you know, experienced it in my own life. And this kind of even ties into like 75 hard and the break between phase one and phase two is what do you do in those downtimes, right? Like you're, you just want to be done and like collapse <laughs> after, especially the big pushes to get the project out the door. But at the same time, like there's always stuff to do. And how do you kind of maintain some level of, Productivity, you know, you're not going to be what you were prior because that's just, it is not sustainable um, to do that. But I think that's something that every single person, you know, whether in their own lives and they go through those spurts and cycles or, you know, and especially within construction projects and going through the spurts and cycles. Without a doubt. And to, to real quick touch back on the, uh, the emotional cycle of projects. Uh, that's why you need to have really good project managers because a really good project manager doesn't, doesn't tend to uh, get afflicted by that lack of interest or that, that fatigue that goes in the middle. Like that's why I suck at being a project manager. That's why I hire really great ones because I'm like on the front side, I'm go, go, go. I'm excited. I want to get it. And, and I'm, you know, I'm fighting to win and, and, you know, swinging for the fences and all that good stuff. And I'm engaged and running, but, man once we once we lock and load it's like uh all right you guys take this now and like i just know what's going on i know it's still continuing to churn and that's it's a great place to be now when i used to be doing you know wearing every hat here by myself it's it's the struggle is real man like i would lose interest very quickly into a project like fuck this is it's just not my cup of tea you know and it's everybody's different what they want to uh what they want to focus on but uh, so anyways, shout out to my, my PMs cause they, my PMs and my superintendents keep, keep that ship rolling after my, uh, my ADD head gets, gets out of it and, and goes on to chase other shiny objects. But, you know, back to your point about dealing with downtime, it really is a discipline thing, right? It's a, it's a mental toughness thing. And so it, it ties really perfectly well with, uh, with live hard, like you mentioned in that you, you have to develop that that grit, you have to develop that fortitude so that, cause it, it's, it's really easy when nothing is pressing, when deadlines aren't, aren't looming on the horizon as, as tight as they might be in your, your quote unquote busy season, it'd be really easy to, you know, sit your ass down on the couch and, and do nothing or, you know, waste away your day at work, you know, hiding behind your monitor, watching YouTube videos or, you know, playing video poker or whatever the hell you do when you're wasting time. And it's the people with with that mental toughness who've developed that grit, uh, who have the discipline then to say, okay, now's the time to better myself, or now's the time to better our systems or our our processes or 
you know, whatever it may be, like there ain't no company that's perfect, right? So there's always things that we could focus on. And I know for me, like, like I said, I'm, I'm very shiny object driven and I get distracted and it's when I'm in those busy cycles, when I'm running, you know, a million miles an hour that I'm like, damn it, I, it'd be really nice to take some time and sit down and, you know, revamp this template or this form or, or create this sort of process here. And then it's fleeting thought gone. And then, you know, we don't, truth be told, we don't really get downtime like we used to anymore, um, just by virtue of how we run the, the, the ship here. But uh, to have those times to do that and then to actually grab onto those things are super valuable to, to a company and to, to personal development, right? Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of opportunity lost when, when you don't capitalize on those opportunities to stay productive, but in a different way than you're used to being productive, if that makes any sense. Yeah. It's something that I've in every firm that I've worked in and I mean, not so much in my own, uh, doings and, and own business uh, ventures because I'm just that type of guy that I can't can't sit idle for too long. But in the companies that I've been a part of, like whenever projects weren't going on, like we really didn't have that many initiatives or guys weren't really pushing it. And even when we did have some of the initiatives, it never felt like they really wanted it to go through you know, a lot of the strategic planning and that type of stuff, like, yeah, it got done, but then nothing ever happened after, right? And it wasn't, we're going to follow and knock down these goals and milestones that we set for ourselves. You know, there was no follow through in it. And I think a lot of firms and especially being now where I see a lot of firms and kind of have a better understanding like behind the scenes uh, forum and, and you know, being in software and seeing their systems processes and talking to more and more folks is, man, they really don't think about like this R&D side of things. You know, they really don't think about reinvesting in their systems and having somebody dedicated to just process improvement. And if you look at like the, the biggest firms in the world, right? Every Fortune 500 that you can see every single, uh, not line item, but you can at least see their financials where they invest stuff. Um, and they put a lot of money towards R&D, man. Like they have full departments of people <laughs> in them. A lot of the guys that I went to school with work in those R&D departments to create new products, to bring new things to life, to do improvements on like, uh, bulldozers or a lot of the GPS tracking that is now on bulldozers, you know, that was all done because of R and D, um, like within to make those things follow a, a grading pattern right, from a CAD file. So you have like these massive improvements in productivity, technology, you know, process, and then that translates right to the field, you know, that same bulldozer can, be manually operated or it can go through a, a GPS grading file for a company that's sophisticated enough to, to use that type of technology. But again, all that was created in, you know, well, really somebody's full-time gig of being R&D, but in, you know, the, the firm's like downtime there, I mean, they've gotten big enough, right? Those big companies to be dedicated to that type of stuff. But right, for, right. for most other companies, like, man, every 
man, woman, and child on that uh, firm has to be rowing the boat in the right direction. You're not big enough to where, you know, even having one person, you know, at a hundred grand or whatever, they're going to get paid to, to be R and D like that's a big uh, investment in the firm to purely do that type of stuff. But that's almost what it takes because then you're looking three, five years ahead. And, and that's what it takes to get ahead is having somebody dedicated for 2000 hours a year to think about all this stuff versus like you're saying a fleeting thought that, you know, never gets implemented. Well, and it, it takes, it takes a really good and strong leader too to get his head out of those trees and, and see up over top of the forest to, to recognize that those investments in the, in that sort of human capital will pay off tenfold, if not more down the road. But it, it's really hard, especially as a small company to, to, you know, slot a hundred grand, like you said, for, for a role like that, you know, it's not a, it's not an immediately productive role. There's not an immediate return on that investment. But again, if you can, if you can peek up above, it, it'll have massive, massive paybacks. And um, even for the small company, it's, it's small, like slices of time investment, right? Uh, a Friday afternoon or Wednesday morning, or, you know, some type of time investment, whether that's you personally running the show, or, you know, you have a group of individuals that meet for a few hours to knock stuff out, whatever that might be. There's ways to do this without, you know, uh, dedicated <laughs> staff for it. For sure. For sure. And, you know, I was thinking about when you were talking a minute ago, our, <clears throat> our sales cycles, are are impossibly long, right? We we've talked about that in the show before. In in construction, in general, but in design build, in true design build, like we do it specifically, our sales cycles are insane. You know, a lot of people in other industries can't understand that sort of time commitment. We could be a year to eighteen months, you know, from the from the day we meet someone to the time that we might be putting boots on the ground. And for, for the office side, you know, for our pre-con department, who's heavily involved during that cycle, it can be excruciatingly long if you're not used to it, you know, and um, we, we just went through this, you know, we, we had uh, an interesting year last year, a lot of stuff got pushed back because of municipal bullshit and permitting issues. Um, we had some, some big wins come in this week, the week of this recording, which is, which is nice to finally be able to show our people, right? Like you're, you're doing this for a reason. Now you can breathe a second, like you don't have long, but, but here's the big, the big win. You know, we don't have a bell here because place I used to work, we used a couple of us used to work there, had a bell and it, it was really annoying and obnoxious, but um, you know, when you get the wins, you hang that shit on the wall and you celebrate it. And, and now it's time, like, now we can breathe a minute. Let's let's take those minutes and rather than you know stuff donuts in our face and and get shit faced, um, and you can do that for a, a second, right? You can follow the you know the twenty four hours to celebrate rule, okay? But after that, let's take this downtime now and let's figure out how to how to capitalize on it because we have this gift of some time, which is is very very hard to find. So, you know, in in, in listening to you and and kind of talking through this, I, I'm just racking my brain like, okay, how are we going to capitalize on this, this gift of time that we've been given? Because that is the most precious gift you could ever find, right? Those minutes 
or those hours, if you can, if you can scrounge together enough of the minutes, um, I mean, that's worth its weight in gold. So do you squander it and do nothing or, or do we plan something out and start, start structuring a way to really keep that, keep the momentum going, right? That's really what it's all about is, is, is the momentum. And if, if you stop and you lose it, it's really hard to get it started again. If you keep it rolling, it's, it's much more conducive to an overall successful venture because there's a lot you can do just by harnessing the power of that, um, that momentum that you've created over the last call it 18 months, kind of like live hard, right? <laughs> if you finish live hard and then you go sit on your ass and, and do nothing but drink and eat pizza, you, you lose it, man. You lose it fast. You fall very far off track, but if you keep it going, you can keep that momentum and you can really feed off of that energy and, and it really becomes a wonderful thing. Yeah. And man, my, my advice like differs depending on who I'm talking to. Cause there's some guys that I know and talk to on a regular basis where, man, you got to like force them to take some vacation and some time, you know? And so when those opportunities present themselves, I'm like, man, take an extra night, like go have a good dinner, you know, like enjoy that type of stuff. You know, if you're going to go uh, run a race, like one of the, this guy in particular, he's going to come and run a race with me up in Tahoe and he's going to make a week out of it uh, because one, he can, two, he's had other races where he didn't spend any time either before or after and he was completely wrecked. Then he ended up getting sick and they was forced to take two days to, you know, recover yeah. and was miserable on it. And so with guys like that, I'm like, Hey man, like you need to take some time. You've got to like, it's, you know, again, you're running this race, you traveled there, like take the extra night, man. Like, enjoy the the day spend it in like a nice hotel you make enough money to like the extra couple hundred bucks for a hotel room that you're only going to do five times a year is not going to break you you know like you're doing well enough you're crushing it in work you know you're beating all of your work goals you know like you can afford <laughs> to do this and and then for other guys you know, I don't have too many of these people in my life, but, you know, for other guys, you got to give a swift kick in the ass to like, Hey man, no, you cannot, you are not allowed to take a break, you know? <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, it's, that's the reality of it. It's an interesting dichotomy, right? It's a mindset thing. There, there are guys like I'll put myself in that ring. I love what I do. I truly love what I'm doing. And so for me, working is just, it's an outlet, right? Like if I wasn't, like we've talked about before, when, when we take beach vacations, my family and I, like, I'm a, I'm an asshole, man. I make it like two days doing the beach thing and I'm stir crazy. I, I lose my patience. I can't just sit still, but I know it's, it's important to take breaks, but then you also have the flip side and you have the guys, <laughs> you're like, what? you've taken like six weeks of vacation this year. Well, how the fuck are you taking another day off? Like, when do you do anything? When do you get anything done? And I, I don't know, it's to each his own. I mean, there's different philosophies in that I'm sure, but 
it's it it always is funny to me, you know, to to kind of put those two side by side because, you know, it's gross. Maybe it's unhealthy, but I'd rather work than do most anything. Like, yes, I spend time with my family and I want to do all that stuff, and we and we do, but I I like what I'm doing. I like the thrill I get out of doing it. So it's it's almost more of a of a Pavlov's dog thing, right? Like. I, I, I want the the work. I want this, this rush. I don't want to sit and just let life happen to me, I guess is maybe a better way to put it. Yeah. Well, and for, for guys like us and what I found more beneficial in my own life is not the week long vacations. Like I've done all that gone to Hawaii. Like it's great, you know, but like even during that, like shit, man, every day, like I'm biking 50 miles, I'm swimming two, three miles, I'm running, you know, 10 miles, like I'm doing, you know, a, some version of a triathlon pretty much every day when I'm on like those types of vacations, you know, like it's insane when I do that type of stuff. Like I'm very active when we go and do that, like it's activity filled and we're going and doing that type of stuff. But for the most part, like a Friday to Sunday, Monday is or Thursday to Tuesday is my kind of jam, you know, like leave out on Thursday night, get to wherever you're going, be there Friday, Saturday, you know, travel back either, you know, Sunday morning or Sunday night. Yeah. And that's it. You know, you fill it full and you're moving and you go and things like that, or even just like a easy Saturday night or an easy Friday night at home, you know, three, four hours, you know, half a day type of thing is for most of us, that's all you need in all reality. You don't need a week. And then on like, that's what I found to be most helpful for me is like just those little half days of, or a couple hours here or there to go do something and break the monotony of whatever you're going through or to celebrate a win, you go to a nice dinner, something like that. And then on the like, cause again, most of what we do, like you need to be there like day in and day out. There's just a volume of work to do. You're not trying to like crack one specific problem to like physics, right? <laughs> like that's not what you're trying to crack. And I bring that up because my neighbor growing up in Oregon used to work for Lawrence Livermore Nas National Lab, which does like all the laser stuff. And he would, they'd go like basically fishing uh, but he'd take his family, they'd go on a tuna boat and would be gone for three months out of the year. Um, wow. But again, like that guy, he's trying to solve like one unique problem, right? It's not something like showing up to work day in and day out is not, in some cases it might get things done, but a lot of that work is internal to like solve one particular math problem, right? Or some new profound discovery, so for work like that, it's a little different. Like Einstein, shit, that dude didn't do, I mean, he did stuff, but after he was 35, like nothing profound really came out of Einstein. He did most all, like his big uh, discoveries were from like 26 to 32. So when you look at his life, you know, most all of it, and he lived to be like 70, 80, but most everything that he did was, you know, when he was, 28 to 35. So it's, but again, it's to solve one unique problem, right? One crack of the shell and that, you know, everybody knows E equals MC squared. So you're, he 
solved one very unique thing, but that's that's not our type of work, right? We're not trying to come up with one big breakthrough that you know we can live on for the rest of our lives. You know, like the guy that cracked gene sequencing, he has two massive yachts, you know, and the guy can live on that forever uh, because he owns the patents around gene sequencing. Yeah, I uh <laughs> I don't think uh we'll, we'll be buying yachts on on one creation that we or one one building that we put together or, or one proposal we put together but we could do that on lots of them. But that's just it, right? Is that in the construction world, you know, you got to show up day in and day out, day in and day out, day in and day out, and that's that's what it is, man. Like you can't afford to take these massive breaks in what you're doing. So in those like downtimes, right, whether it's a, a day, a week, a month, right, when you're waiting for projects to land, you've got to find ways for not only yourself, but your whole team to still be productive, to find out better ways to do things, to figure out different marketing, to be out marketing, whatever that is, until that next project comes through. And I think for a lot of firms, they just do nothing and wait. It's a shitty place to be, right? I mean, that that's, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I could say a lot. That That's weak mentality to me. You know, we're, we're in a market, in an industry where, you know, you got to be, you got to be the hunter, got to be ready to kill all the time. And you can take breaks, you can get recharged, but you still got to be on point and you got to be ready to, ready to go and, and chase something down when you have to. So I, I don't know. It's also a good thing that they're firms that, that I operate in the opposite way, because that allows firms like yours and mine to do what we do and to, to get the wins stacked up that we, that we do. And it's the majority of them, man, like no R and D department, no forward thinking, no, I mean, it's reactionary based stuff you know, RFP comes out, we go after every single one of them. We don't, you know, oh, it's in our market, supposedly, you know, we're going to go after it, pose on it, uh, put the resources into this so that we can look busy. Um, it, there's just a lot of that stuff where it, not taking that step back, not like strategically thinking about who we go after, how we go after them, you know, how do we get in front of these people before an RFP ever appears, um, and doing all that type of stuff. So, and again, because of the markets that we serve, you've got to keep moving. You can't, you can't stop. I got nothing left on that one, man. I'm with you. You can't stop. Time to get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> and with that guys, um, Matt, it's been good to be back on the mics together and to, to do this. I know that both of us are, um, crazy busy and uh, this time of year and finding things to to do or not finding but you know we have shit to do uh so yeah man good to be here yeah man uh, likewise it's uh it's always good to get back on and and guys uh this is gonna be a big year for the show so keep keep tuning in keep checking out our youtube channel we've got some some big guests lining up um it's well known that that i'm in the hold up here on on better produced shows uh lately because of my my lack of a, a studio anymore but uh within probably a month or so that'll be taken care of and we'll be back to uh firing on all cylinders and there's some some exciting shit coming down the pipe so 
we appreciate everybody's support. Keep sharing the show and, and uh, we'll keep, we'll keep showing up here on Tuesdays. Yes, we will. And with that guys, that's going to be this episode of the construction corner podcast until next time.